All right, what's happening? What is going on? Welcome into Sports Betting Daily. How are we doing on a Thursday? Let's just get to it. We've got a lot of topics to go over today. Uh, I'm just going to riff a little bit. Can I riff? Can I riff? Uh, we're going to riff. Or we're going <laughs> to talk about a couple different topics on today's show. But let's start off with Fox Bet. Fox Bet is closing its doors. And uh, it wasn't that long. They launched in 2019, only lasted a couple years. And they are selling. Uh, they're going to still retain the rights to their app. I think they're going to open like a uh, free-to-play jackpot game later on this year. But overall, Foxbet is out of the sports betting game. Now, this comes on the heels of several other sports books announcing they're shutting their doors. This is Twinspires, Maximbet, Fubo Sportsbook. I didn't even realize Fubo had a sportsbook. PointsBet, PlayUp, and now Foxbet. So Foxbet joins a list of, of sportsbooks who tried to make it work but just couldn't. Now, PointsBet apparently just sold their U.S. businesses. So PointsBet, as we know, or as a lot of, of you know, was, I believe, an Australian sportsbook who wanted to do some business in the U.S. They couldn't make it work. So they're selling, PointsBet is, selling their U.S. businesses, which I think is kind of shocking because, I don't know about you, but I have seen like points bet commercial after points bet commercial just the last few weeks. So it's interesting. It's like, are they getting in some some marketing run because they had marketing dollars allocated for it? So it's just like, let's spend what we have. Well, I don't get what's happening here, what's going to really happen with points bet, but we're not talking about them necessarily. We're talking about Fox bet. I will keep an eye on points bet. If it's worth bringing up, talking about, I'll certainly bring that back up again on the show. But today we will just mention Fox bet closing their doors. Now, my opinion on these certain sports books um, and I'll include points bet in there. I think that Fox bet and points bet, and I will. So, so let, let's quickly get the other ones out of the way. Twin Spires, Maxim bet and play up. I've dealt with just a little bit. I didn't have a great experience with Maxim bet. The others I've heard of didn't use too much. Um, and then Fubo Sportsbook, I didn't even know existed until just now. So I don't have a lot to say about Fubo, Twin Spires or play up. I will say my experience with Maxim bet was not great. Uh, you know, just they offered a lot they couldn't back up or, or didn't, they promised a lot they didn't uh, come through on. So, you know, Max and Bet, not a huge fan of, but the two sports books on here I can talk a lot about are Fox Bet and Points Bet because I use them a decent amount, especially earlier in my career. The more things have transpired, the less I've used them, and it's probably no coincidence that they're closing their doors. I personally think that Fox Bet did a terrible job. Not necessarily points bet. Let's focus on Fox bet right now. I think they did an awful job. Because here's the thing. Even though I've said before, and I, f- I fully believe, it's not that hard to run a sports book. I say that with my experience and my background. I know exactly how the market works. I'm an expert with market moves and, 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 and market fluctuation and how sp- uh, sports books open lines and create lines and massage lines and monitor the action and the handle. I get all of that. So for me, it's like, yeah, obviously... You know, if someone asked me to open up a sports book, they would be miles ahead of asking any other CEO or CFO of any other company who doesn't know what they're doing. So I think what Foxbet did is they just wanted, they saw some lucrative industry emerging. They wanted to get in and they just thought, yeah, we got a bunch of money. We have billions of dollars. Let's just throw money at it. And this is proof that is as rich as you are as a company, you have to know what you're doing behind the scenes of the sports book. Otherwise, this will be the inevitable end. And I believe Fox just wanted to throw money at it. They had they had money, they wanted to get in, and they thought it was like any other company. Yeah, you hire a decent CEO, has some experience, some CEO experience, you, you put down minus 110, and you watch the money come in. 
And that's just not how it's going to work because what Foxbet did incorrectly, in my opinion, two things. The first, they got outdone by their retail competitors. You see, Foxbet wanted the retail sportsbook model, which is they copy other sportsbooks' lines, they charge a heftier price, they advertise, right, retail advertising, and they're going to get their money that way. But what they found or what I found was BetMGM, DraftKings, I'll even put FanDuel and Caesars in there. They did a much better job than Foxbet did acquiring that retail fan base or customer base, right? They didn't do a great job with deposit matches. There were never any free bets or bonuses or things like that. And that's what the average fan loves. You know how many four-team bets get, four-team parlays get placed on MGM because they offer like a 10 to 25% coupon or, you know, you get 25% more bonus if you hit a four-team parlay. BetMGM gets it. Okay, now I don't I don't condone us making those bets, but BetMGM knows, hey, let's put a bunch of stuff out there. Let's put a bunch of bonuses. Every Monday, we're going to put a bonus in their email, 25% bonus on a four-team parlay, free bet here, deposit mo- uh, uh, match there. That's how BetMGM got their customers. Now, you don't have to do that every day, every week with every customer, but you do that enough and people will make it for sure, make it a priority that they shop and play at your sports book. So I think the first thing Foxbet did incorrectly, they got outdone by their retail competitors. Now, the second thing that Foxbet did incorrectly was they offered horrible lines and horrible prices. And I think this was inevitable once we started seeing the shift because a couple years ago, that's when that's when everything was so hot in terms of getting customers. So that's when, uh, uh, you know, BetMGM or DraftKings or FanDuel, whatever, was offering all their stuff, okay? So FoxBet missed that whole train, missed a whole bunch of customers, and then they started to panic, FoxBet did. And what I noticed over the last year, maybe two years, FoxBet was just offering the worst lines in the entire industry. So unless you were a world-class moron, no one was betting with FoxBet, both the professionals, people who do this for a living, and the retail public base, they couldn't get anyone. They couldn't get the retail customers because they were already taken with points bet, fan or you know, FanDuel, DraftKings, uh, BetMGM. They're already taken. And so they couldn't get the other players either because when, once they panicked and started offering, you know, minus 115, minus 115. Or an example would be maybe in the NFL. And this is totally off the top of my head. I don't have an exact, you know, I didn't write down an example. But uh, top of my head, like, let's say an NFL game, uh, let's say like, most sports books in the world had Green Bay minus three, minus 110, and whoever they're playing, the Lions plus three, minus 110, right? That's like what we're used to. Well, Foxbet would have Green Bay minus three, minus 125, and they'd have the Lions plus three, you know, minus 120. It's like, what? There, There's no reason for anyone to be making these bets here. It's like, I almost never bet with Foxbet. Why would I? So this is the inevitable end. If you're not going to offer good lines, and if you're not going to keep up with the retail sports books, you're going to get drowned out in this marketplace. Fox bet, and apparently points bet. We will see you later. They are on their way out. Now, again, like I said, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen with points bet. I will keep an eye on that. Maybe they'll keep operating under a different name. Maybe they'll white label. I don't know what they'll do. But this is a good reminder. You can't just be rich, throw a lot of money at the problem, and think you're going to be able to run a sports book. So... That does it with the Fox bet uh, closing. All right, let's get on to a next topic. First inning scoring. I think this is a really interesting topic because this is a weird 
I would say almost enticing bet to make. And only until recently have I kind of seen the light because I will say, even though I get on this podcast all the time and I preach the right way to bet and this is what you should do, this is what you should not do, a lot of that comes with my own experience. A lot of that comes because I had some really, really rough weeks and I lost a lot of money and it's like, okay, I'm going to take all my experiences and try and share with the world what you should and shouldn't do. But a lot of this isn't just me being all, you know, some genius and here's how you do it. I never make mistakes. It's like, I trust me, folks, I make mistakes as much as anybody. I've just learned because at the end of the day, my mistakes are my money and I like making money. <laughs> I don't like losing money. So it's like, it really hurts. I mean, I have had sleepless nights because I've made bad decisions and lost a lot of money. So this first inning scoring thing, I'm not here to like ridicule people who bet the under. I'm here to say, I get it. I understand it. Here, Because here's what logic says. Logic says there's nine innings. You only need six outs per inning. You got a fresh pitcher. You know, it's it, you may think betting the under is worth it and it's worth your while. Again, because I think that when, when we just look at baseball, logic says if the over-under is eight and a half, there's nine innings, they're not going to score less than one run per inning. So a lot of people out there take the under. Here's why. Here's uh, other reasons why people take the under. It cashes quickly. So if you do cover the under, you make the bet, you get paid very quickly. And I, I really, I, I really truly believe in the other thing I said, that people just think that minus 110 for the under is worth it because it's it's just a good bet. I think that's what, what the average sports fan thinks. They go, huh, under for one inning, minus 110, let's make the bet. Well, actually, what happens is if you look at the history of baseball, and this goes back decades, but I am going to focus more on modern baseball, the over is actually a, the best play to make. If you combine the last 20 years of Major League Baseball, you're not making money doing either, right? It's like a lot of 50-50 splits. Whether you bet all overs or all unders, you're actually losing money. And the reason is, again, because the minus 110. The same thing happens, people don't understand this, the, the same thing happens almost every single year in the NFL and NBA, both spreads and totals, right? So let's let's just focus on totals. If you like to bet the NBA, whether it's overs or unders, what you'll find is at the end of every NBA season, it's so close to 50-50 that you won't make money if you bet every over and every under because as we know, minus 110 equals 52.38%. Let's call it 52.4%. So that means that either the overs or unders, if you're going to make a profit betting all overs or all unders, that has to end the year either above 52.5% or below 47.5% either way. Otherwise, if it falls in the 50% barrier, you're not making money betting all overs or all unders no matter what. That just means good pricing, efficient market. It's the same thing here with the first inning, right? What you find going back 20 years, 10 years, 5 years is it's going to fall right there around 50-50. Teams are going to score, combine one run in the first inning right about half the time, maybe 51% of the time. And teams are going to combine to not score zero runs about 49% of the time. So as we can tell, if the classic game is price minus 110, minus 110, there is no good bet either way, despite what we try and convince ourselves. And even, the, even this year, it's actually a little bit skewed to the over. Now, 
time and math are, are unbeaten. So the more games we play, the more it's going to regress to the mean. But first inning overs this year are actually about 53.5%, So you're actually profitable if you bet every first inning over this year. And that's 0.5 runs, right? Will there be a score in the first inning? Uh, yes or no? You're actually, so if you bet every over in the first inning this season, you're actually up about two units. You're, you're barely winning, but you're scraping by. You're winning. If you bet every under this season in the first inning, you'd be down about 35 units. So think about that. It is greatly profitable to, well, I wouldn't say greatly profitable. It's a much better decision if you're going to blindly bet those to actually take, yes, there will be a run scored both historically and this year specifically. Now, I will say a few things. If you're going to go from this point forward, I actually believe a little bit of regression. So maybe it would be more you know, closer to 50-50. But up to this point in the season, the overs have been doing well. And I'm not actually here to tell you to bet the over or under in these bets. I think it should be case by case, situation by situation for every pitcher, every offense, every situation. But my my point, I guess, is don't blindly go in and think you're just going to take the under in every first inning because you're going to lose money. And this is what a lot of people do. I actually saw... We're going to talk about Twitter here in a few minutes. And when I was going through looking at some Twitter stuff, I noticed a lot of people focusing on first inning unders. You know, one person even like put out some graphic and it was like no runs in the first inning. And that's what they were focusing on. It wasn't runs scored in the first inning. It was no runs first inning. It was like NRFI, how they abbreviated it. And they gave stats on that. A lot of people out there like betting that. And I get it. I started this, you know, a little segment by saying I used to do it too. I used to bet a lot of first inning unders. I understand the appeal, but math says don't do that. All right. Uh, I had a few other things I wanted to talk about. Uh, the DraftKings trending bets and then BetMGM. I want to talk about these two books. Maybe I'll spend like a minute or two because this pod's going on a little longer than I thought it would, but uh, let's start with DraftKings. DraftKings is starting to tell you the trending bets. What is everyone else betting in the world? And this is so... Two things. This is very obvious. And this is very... Hmm. You know, maybe this is a flaw I have. Because when I see some things like this, my my reaction is to just immediately fade. You know, today, a huge bet, obviously, is Man City minus one and a half. And I actually kind of like Man City today on the money line. I think the minus one and a half is a little overpriced, but... This is what I do. If I like a team, the Philadelphia Phillies, just hypothetically, right? And I get on Twitter and I see a lot of people on gambling Twitter also like Philadelphia. I like them less. And I need to stop this because I I give so, I really have such little respect for Twitter that it's like, I need to understand that it's going to be 50-50. Like half the time they're going to be on on my side, on the right side. Half the time they're not. Just because uh, uh, some moron on Twitter likes the Phillies, and I also like the Phillies, doesn't necessarily by definition make it a bad bet, even though I treat it always like it's a bad bet. And so when these DraftKings trending bets things, you know, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to bring it up. See what, what you guys all thought about it, because I don't love it. I don't love it because I think it's DraftKings. Why would they do it? Like, why would they let us know these trending bets? And I think here's why. DraftKings, FanDuel, any sportsbook out there, just like any company out there, they're not going to do anything unless they believe they're going to make money from doing that. So why, then I go to why post the trending bets. And here's why I think they're doing it. I believe the trending bets are just like the public, right? I think that the trending for DraftKings means volume of bets, not volume of, of, of dollars. And so if you get all these different people in the, in the country, squares, right, public bettors, making these bets, they're going to 
probably be on the wrong side. So if they're on the wrong side, yeah, DraftKings will find it profitable to share those bets. Now, I will guarantee you 1,000% something. In the next three months, I'll guarantee you this. If DraftKings is making money on those trending bets, you'll see more of it. If DraftKings is losing money on those trending bets, you will see less of it. Guarantee it. DraftKings is trying to make more money. They're trying a few other things here. If you're going to bet what everyone else is betting, odds are you're going to end up on the wrong side. So that was my DraftKings gripe there. And then I have one more gripe for BetMGM. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, BetMGM, it's, it's, I've talked about this before, that if you're a good sports better, it's only a matter of time to get banned. And sports books won't always ban you. Sometimes they'll do little things here, little things there. Sometimes they'll reduce your limits. Sometimes they'll reduce your cash out limits, things like that. BetMGM, this is just a quick little thing I've noticed. They went from from offering $20 free bets, $50 free bets, $100 deposit matches. The one thing I've been getting now for about six months, every couple weeks, BetMGM will send me a $2 bet. And I wonder, I don't know. It's like, if you work for BetMGM, know this. let me know why this happens. Because here's why I think it happens. I believe that they don't like me. And this is their way of saying, fuck you. <laughs> I seriously think that. I think they're going to send out these bonus bets to everyone. And when it comes to customers like me, they're like, yeah, let's send them one. Let's make it for $2. And I'm not going to lie. Maybe it's my fault for like wasting the $2, but I never make those bets. I would just kind of let them go. I probably shouldn't. I probably, it's $2 is $2, right? I probably should make a bet. But every time I'm just like pissed off, it kind of bugs me, rolls me the wrong way. I'm like, why would you even put that in my account? Like, why don't you just cancel? Why don't you just limit me? Well, they actually already have limited me, uh, BetMGM. But yeah, that $2 bonus bet is a slap in the face there. So, all right. A lot of riffing today, right? Lots of riffing. I have one more thing to go over and it is Twitter. Told you we're going to talk about Twitter today. And uh, my God, God, is Twitter negative? I, I, I stopped going on social media about, was about three or four months ago. Let me tell you, folks, and I know I'm not, I'm, I'm not preaching to the choir here. I know a lot of you don't like this. A lot of you are on social media. But let me tell you, my like mental health, my life in general, I feel like it's gotten so much more positive. And it's not because, you, you know, it's just because you get on Twitter and it's just all negative. And so... I think it's either a a net neutral where you either get on Twitter and you leave Twitter or social media in the same mood that you came on with, or you get on Twitter and you leave a little bit more agitated than before. And sometimes it's subconscious, but like I got on Twitter today and it's always like, oh, look at this Karen attacking someone, or it's always racial stuff or homophobic stuff or trans stuff. It's like, it's just this, it's this cesspool of hate and negativity. And I just have found personally, you know, not to preach here, but my mental health is just so much more positive after I've gotten off Twitter. But I occasionally get back on. You know, we still have our our show Twitter at SBD underscore POD, which we really never post on. Um, but, you know, sometimes people reach out. And I did get a couple messages that I, th- I think I'm going to save for next week and read some messages and questions that a couple of you sent in. One person was from... Uh, Germany, who sent in a question. So that's pretty cool. So I'll save those for next week, but I have to occasionally keep touch with Twitter. But it's just crazy. I got on today and immediately, yeah, I got smack in the face. You're just hit with this stuff. It's like, yeah, no wonder. And after being gone for so long, it's 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 a rude awakening. It's like, yeah, no wonder I'm gone. You know, it really uh, solidifies and, and really makes me think it was a good decision. But anyway, anyway, um, one thing that this reminded me of, Twitter, especially gambling Twitter, because I always like to go to gambling Twitter, see all the, the millionaires giving their advice on here. One thing, and I will get a little preachy. This may get a little preachy. We're not going to talk a lot about sports betting, just about life now. One thing that's helped me a lot, 
in my life is understanding how many, I'm going to say it and then I'm going to qualify it. How many morons are around us in life? Okay, now I'm not trying to be, because naturally whenever anyone says, oh, look at all these idiots who are around. What I'm saying by not saying it is I'm a genius. Everyone around me is an idiot. And that's not really what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is if you understand that the expectations for people around you should probably be lowered, right? I mean, if you think about it, the average IQ is 100. That's average. That means 50% of people walking around have an IQ below 100. A lot of them well below 100. So again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be an ass here. I'm not trying to be some, you know, look at me, sanctimonious person, everyone around me is an idiot. I'm not being that. I'm just saying it's a fact. Half the people in the world right now have IQs of 100 or below. Now the other 50% have above an I, you know 100 IQ, but that's a lot of people who are not 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 very bright walking around amongst us. And I think that my point here again, this there's really no right way to say this. So if you if you think I'm some pompous asshole for saying this, that's fine. But I I, I think that it's actually a positive thing because when you get on Twitter on social media or when you get in your car, go drive on the road or anything in life. If you have this expectation that everyone's going to be this nice, accepting, sweet, oh, loving, agreeable, well-rounded person, you're going to get upset. You know, expectation in life defines how you react in life. If you know getting on the road that you're about to go drive on a road surrounded by complete idiots, I've found actually it's it's a positive thing. My road rage has gone down tenfold because it's like if someone cuts me off and I used to honk and flip them off, oh, you more, blah, blah, blah. Now it's just like if you expect it to happen, you don't get upset. And I think that this is really relatable to Twitter. When you get on Twitter, it's like if you expect there to be a bunch of, you know, teenagers and young 20-year-olds yelling at each other, talking about gambling Twitter, you're not going to get upset. Remember how a year ago, I'm sure all my listeners who have been listening now for a while, I used to do that. I used to get on Twitter and just yell and bitch and moan and complain. How can they do this? What morons? It's like I was, I had a bad mindset. My mindset was expecting for people to be rational and, and, and smart and calm and giving good advice. Why? Why would that have been my expectation, right? Same thing on the road. It's like when you get out there and you're on the highway, you shouldn't expect people to all be going the exact speed limit, following all the rules, being courteous, letting you in. You know, it's like there's a lot of morons out there, you know? Um, a great example, actually, last week I was on the road and I saw ahead of me, there was this blue Mazda, okay? And he was all over the fucking road. He's speeding, zigging, at, zigging zagging out and out of lanes. And it was horrible. It's like, that dude's going to get in a wreck. Well, some chick, some, you know, long, young lady saw him and decided to take it upon herself. So she speeds up to him. She honks. So he like notices her. He rolls the window down and I see her flip him off, right? This is crazy. So she flips him off and then she speeds off. So this woman got upset. This guy's driving like an idiot, flips him off and then proceeds herself to drive like an idiot. She got in an accident. She hit another car right after doing that. And then, you know, a minute or two I'm passing her because traffic stopped and I see her yelling at the blue Mazda as if it were his fault. So uh, two things happen here. The first one, the blue Mazda guy was an idiot in the first place, right? He was driving like a fucking moron. He's an idiot. That's my point. You know, you just expect that. But this woman got so mad at that guy driving like an idiot. She took it upon herself to police the roads, let her let him know how upset with his driving she was. She proceeds to drive like an idiot, gets in a wreck and then blames him. 
So it's like, you know what her thought process is at the end of that? She probably blames the guy in the blue Mazda. She probably takes no credit, no responsibility whatsoever, even though she just let someone else affect her entire day and now her car is ruined because of it. So what's my point with this? My point is when you get on Twitter, if you're going to get mad, whether it's politics or sports betting or whatever, you're giving someone else the ability to control how you feel. You're giving some random person out there the ability to control your well-being. You know, it's so crazy that how people do that. You know, it's like people who get triggered, the trigger, trigger, triggered. I don't get getting triggered. It's like if you're going to be walking on the street, have an amazing day. You know, I, I'm Jewish, right? And I think I've talked about that before. I'm a, I'm a Jew, right? If I'm walking down the street having an amazing day and I'm with my wife and we're laughing, having a great time and someone comes up and drops some, you know, slur about Jews or says something like that. If I now flip out, think about it the rest of the day, either say anything negative to them or maybe I don't say anything and just keep, keep playing that over in my head over and over, what I've done is I've given that random individual control of my life, control of my, my thoughts and my emotions. It's like, do we really want to give random nobodies out there that much control over us? It's like, we should define how happy we are. We should define our own well-being. And it doesn't matter what's going on on the road, on social media, what people say to us. If we're really in control and happy about things in life, that's not going to happen. You know, and so I know I'm kind of getting a little preachy here. I'm up on my soapbox, but it's all about expectations in life. And if your expectations are that you're going to go on Twitter and get good advice for sports betting, you're going to be misled. If your expectations are you're going to get on the road and everyone's going to be happy and nice and calm and peaceful, you're going to be misled. Expectations in life define everything. If you think you're going to go out on the night, on night on the town, right? You're going to go drinking with your friends, go to karaoke, have a great night. And it turns out instead you end up babysitting a bunch of seven-year-olds, you're going to be upset. Right? But if you planned on babysitting a bunch of seven-year-olds and you get to the house and there's a bunch of seven-year-olds, you're not going to be upset because you planned on it. I know I'm getting a little in the weeds here, but the point here is this translates to Twitter. This translates to life. If we expect things in life, you're going to – or have the have, lower your expectations a little bit. I think it's going to be a much better outcome for everything. So I know that was a little less sports betting and a little more life, but hey, that's what you're going to get sometimes when I do a daily podcast. But either way, good luck, whatever you have going on today or tonight. I'll catch some winners. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll have some pick and a handicap tomorrow, or at least a pick and a handicap tomorrow, right here on Sports Betting Daily. <laughs>